coming to you from Brick House in downtown Brooklyn. This is 112BK. On the show today, the Yanny Laurel divide feels like another divide. We'll discuss considering LGBTQ seniors and comparative coffee. Will the bougie brew hold its own? Hi, welcome to the show. I'm Ashley Ford, joined by producer Ross Tuttle. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Ross. Ramadan Mubarak for all those celebrating. We're going to talk next week about iftar in the streets. Last year it was in Brooklyn. This year it's going to be in Queens. Tune in for that. Ross, I'm assuming that you, like everyone else out there, has taken the Yanni Laurel test, right? Yes, that is correct. And I heard Yanni. Mm, what about you? Interesting. I heard Laurel. I have only ever heard Laurel. It's Yanni. I've tried to hear Yanni. I continue to hear Laurel. It's Yanni. It's not Yanni. Laurel. It's Laurel. It's Yanni. It's Laurel. Okay. Well, so this divide has me thinking about another divide, the divide in our politics, the divide Mm. in our culture. And I think it's a perfect metaphor for those politics and the polarization right now. Tell me more, Ross. Well, you literally can't hear what the other side is saying. It's kind of crazy, right? When people Mm -hmm. hear that and they're like, wait, you heard what? Mm -hmm. They don't believe it. So, and then you realize it's true that they actually did hear something else. You get beyond the disbelief that someone is indeed hearing something else. Then it's sort of mind altering. You think, wow, you start to question your own truth. Well, the Times had on its site this little audio trick where you could tweak it and once you tweak the audio, you might be able to hear Yanny or Laurel. Um, I played with it, still only hear Laurel. Wow, so that's a problem. See, if we were to have something like that to kind of fix our politics and our polarization, I don't know if it would help us when you know a presidential candidate says, you know, I want to deport all Muslims or not let Muslims in the country. One side might hear security, the other side might hear that's racist and discrimination. And then there are a whole bunch of people in the middle who hear a madman saying something mad, or they hear um, a reasonable man saying something reasonable, Hmm. or they hear something between those two things. And I think that maybe we should leave a little more room in our discussions with each other to hear not just what's coming straight into our ears, but maybe what's around that as well. That's a good idea. Is it? That'll work. I think it's a good idea. On the show today, we're going to hear from two organizations advocating in Brooklyn and beyond for LGBTQ seniors. And then, I'm really looking forward to this, a coffee comparison. We're joined by a coffee connoisseur, and we're going to sample some different Brooklyn brews and guess which is which. Stay tuned. We rely on family for a lot of things, especially in old age. But what happens when you haven't spoken to your biological family in decades because you've been cast out, or you haven't had children because you're in a same-sex relationship, and alternative paths to becoming a parent were foreclosed in your lifetime? These are issues facing LGBTQ seniors. Thankfully, there are some organizations in these parts who are looking out for them, and I recently spoke to individuals from a couple of them. Jose Albino, the executive director of the Grio Circle, and Daniel Puerto, outreach coordinator for SAGE. Here's that conversation. 
Jose, Daniel, thank you so much for being here. I really can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Jose, can you talk to me a little bit about GRIO, what the work is that you guys do? Because I think a lot of people are going to have questions. They hear, you know, senior LGBTQ, right, right, and they're right. like, you mean like in high school? Right. So I'll give you the cliff notes. So GRIO Circle, which stands for Gary Union in Our Time, or GRIO, a mini storyteller in West African culture, was founded 22 years ago here in Brooklyn by a group of LGBTQ elders who felt that um, their community was falling through the cracks um, mm -hmm. at a time where we didn't bask in the civil liberties we do now um, in terms of gay marriage and other 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 things. Um, and Rwanda created a space for LGBT uh, elders of color to fellowship um, mm -hmm. and really be in, in, in community. Um, and here we are 22 years later, um, and we're still here, we're still standing. And we focus, uh, we provide a, a series of, of services and programs and services which include leadership development opportunities. We have nutritional programs, nutritional lunches, um, leadership development, advocacy. We provide health and wellness, Tai Chi, um, yoga. Our uh, motto is that we don't do bingo. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, um, oh, everyone can provide what they want, but that, that's basically right. our model. We take a different approach to health and wellness and, and really um, developing our members in totality. Mm -hmm. um, and we do a lot of work around civic engagement with our members as well as training them and connecting them to our mission and go out into the communities and um, really change uh, how, what the LGBTQ movement in that space and communities and allies, I mean, I understand exactly what uh, the spaces that POC, L LGBTQ elders, uh, really maneuver in. Right, right. And you're saying that Gria's been around for 22 years. Sage has been around 40? 40. 40 years. Can you talk to me about, you know, because I know you guys obviously work in the same mm -hmm. space. What are some of the unique, and, and I'm directing this question toward Daniel, just making <laughs> that clear for the people who are listening on the podcast. What are some of the unique challenges that elderly LGBTQ people are facing? So, you know, SAGE has been around for 40 years. This mm -hmm. year marks our 40th year university. And there is, as LGBT individuals, our challenges are just so much more different than from your average um, cis, heterosexual, identified, or, or individual in, right. in humanity. You, we are individuals that because we come out at an early age or are forced to come out or are outed, we lose family ties. Um, because of our gender expression, gender identity, or the development of that, we lose employment opportunities. Mm -hmm. And uh, that tied, you know, the loss of an, a supportive ecosystem that combines, you know, a job that is able to allow you to feed yourself and, and to develop in society peacefully and, and community family ties. You really, the effects of that is, is isolation. And so one of the key things that our LGBT older adults face right now is isolation, and that's where SAGE comes in and provides us spaces. Talk to me a little bit about National LGBTQ Elders Day. Like <laughs> how, like I, I don't, I didn't right. even know that that right. was a thing. And it's, it's a thing. And it's totally a thing. It's totally a thing. So uh, National Honor L your LGBT Elders Day occurred um, in 2016 by an organization that's um, in Baltimore, um, Chase Braxton, and they're an organization who started off uh, servicing predominantly gay men. Mm -hmm. Now their portfolio looks completely different. And I think that the, it's about awareness and celebrating our elders. I think that, you know, the youth today, and I 
may count myself as a youth. Yes. Uh, but, you know, a lot of us, like I said before, we really bask in these civil liberties, not understanding that there was a struggle, that there's a right. history, that there's, there's this group of individuals that really made what we celebrate and how we honor ourselves and the, the spaces and the authenticity with which we cement and claim our places in the LGBT movement or, mm-hmm. or, or not, right? Just, just th- there was a group of individuals who made who we are today as, as gay men, as trans right. women, as uh, the TGIC community, who made that possible. Right. And there was this disconnect that they were not celebrated or acknowledged. Um, I think that that's really why it was created, mm-hmm. um, to really acknowledge and validate and say, you know, there's what this is a movement with a history. Right. And within that history, it involved uh, older, who are now older folks, right? And yeah. these individuals need to be told that they matter and that they're part of the movement and they were central to, to the movement. Mm-hmm. But aside from that piece as well, I think what it says to me as an individual who has been doing this work for, for some time and working with seniors as well, that the LGBTQ community, the aging community, have been part of the economic engine, the yes. social and narrative fiber of this country, not yes. just in the LGBTQ space, just... No. As citizens, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, for me, marries, marries that to understanding and awareness that mm-hmm. these individuals have been here and they are here. So we need to honor who they are um, and what they've contributed to the movement. And celebrate them today. Don't exactly. wait until people are gone. Exactly. You know, uh, as a queer person, one of the things that I think about quite a bit is how many people we lost. How many people mm-hmm. that who I'll never get to know, you know, who sincerely would be the elders right. and the mentors and things like this of this time, and we lost them to the AIDS epidemic. Right. Can you talk to me about, um, and this is directed again towards Daniel, can you talk to me about how that history mm-hmm. and how like that part of history plays into what we're mm-hmm, seeing mm-hmm. today and the need for organizations like SAGE and like Grio. Yes, um, you know, I think that it goes back again to a community that lost huge, that community members have mm-hmm. lost their, their counterparts, community members that lost their partners who they thought they would be with for the rest mm-hmm. of their lives and and who lost trust not only um, who lost trust within also the medical system that rejected right. care and, and, and support for them. And so when we are dealing with a community group that has undergone so many different levels of trauma and so many different historic and, and personal, um, either directly or indirectly experiences, um, our work is to value them and honor them, mm-hmm. like right. Jose said, right. and, and through that, you know, making sure that we're not only celebrating them one day out of the whole year, but every day. Yeah, yeah. I just I think that for, for and he's right, and I agree with that. I think that for for both organizations, it's very important for us to exist. I think that for the, the people of color, elders of color, it just takes mm-hmm. a different dimension, a different approach. Oh, yeah. I think that you know, for an individual of color like myself, an immigrant. Um, who really identifies with the elders um, that I serve, you know, a lot of the spaces and places where we were go to be loved or felt mm-hmm. loved don't historically have loved us back. Right. That includes our families. That includes our churches. Oh, yeah. That includes, you know, senior centers, institutions. Our cultural institutions. Our cultural institutions, um, absolutely. Yes. So you have this, this family of choice that mm-hmm. we created, yes. and then the AIDS epidemic took that away from us. So there's a, yes. lot, of, re, a lot of trauma, and, a, and, you know, so the AIDS epidemic really affected us in a way because the family of choice that we, we were intentional about choosing because of the epidemic was also taken away. We lost away. them. Right. We lost them. Um, 
just a couple really quick final thoughts. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me really quickly, um, what are some ways that people like me mm -hmm. who are interested that we could help Gria? Oh, okay. So uh, for really simple, I think that you can help Grio by living in your truth. First mm -hmm. of all, be authentic to who you are um, and those around you. Um, we have a lot of opportunities to, to volunteer. You can go to www.griocircle.org. We have a lot of opportunities where individuals can come in and volunteers. Mm -hmm. You can certainly make a donation um, to the organization as well. Um, and just come in and, and really, you know, fellowship with our members and really step into a day in their lives. And right. I think that will help change the lens of how individuals may see theirs and individuals around them. Daniel, how about Sage? At SAGE, um, you know, we've been leading advocacy at a national level, and we know that the current political climate that we live in is attacking minority groups, is attacking communities that our current administrator is not friendly to. Right now, we launch um, our Care Can't Wait campaign, mm -hmm. um, which is uh, following the um, CAKE um, case mm -hmm. what's that oh, yeah. the in 2012 mm -hmm. where yeah. um, the LGBT couple was denied um, a cake for their for their wedding and so following this incident um, institutions have used the mm -hmm. um, conscious and religious freedom divisions at the Department of um, Human and Health Services as a way to shield disc for discrimination and we want to make sure that um, community members who care right. about LGBT members or LGBT community members say no to this and support our advocacy by going to sageusa.org slash carecanwait and joining our movement to petition for all of our communities to be heard and, and acknowledged and respected. That's fantastic. Thank you both so thank much you. for being here. Thank you for I having can't us. thank you. Oh, this was amazing. Thank you. Stay tuned for some comparative coffee tasting. At the turn of the 20th century, Brooklyn was the coffee roasting capital of the U.S. And today, it's said that New Yorkers drink more coffee than all other Americans, in a country that consumes one-fifth of the world's coffee. But what kind of coffee? As I see it, we've got a few different kinds. There's your bodega coffee. There's your megalith chain store coffee, Starbucks. As of 2014, there were 27 of these in Brooklyn. And the CEO, Howard Schultz, is originally from Brooklyn. And then there's the higher-end kind found in more cafes than you can shake a stirrer at. We're joined today by Brooklyn-based food writer and cookbook author Sarah Zorn, who's going to educate us on Brooklyn coffee culture after we do a taste test to see if I'll be paying that extra two to three bucks for the bougie kind. Sarah, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. We're getting bougie today? We, are get, we might get bougie. We see, we'll see what Watch happens. Watch me pick the McDonald's stuff and I'm going to lose you all might. my cred. And I might too. We'll see. I, sometimes we, we I actually, feel like my tastes are really expensive. We actually but, don't have McDonald's, unfortunately. Sorry to disappoint all you. All right. It's going to be whatever the like, bottom of the ladder stuff is. Um, or, <laughs> let's see. We're going to keep it together, to I think. My, my you know, bougie pants on today. Bougie pants. This is Ross Tuttle, our producer, who is also going to be uh, our barista today, helping she us. Laughs you should have waxed your mustache. <laughs> or the handlebar? Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Ooh. I know. I'm sorry. Have you ever done that before? No, I haven't. Hmm. You recommend it? Yeah, man. It sounds like a mistake. If you're not looking to. for new work as a barista, 
Yeah, get you that wax. Get the wax, right. and you do I the curly shave the rest thing. of it. It's like producing doesn't thing. work out. No, no, no. You only have to shave the rest of it if you're going to be a mixologist. Really? He doesn't know any of the rules. How do you do that? You've got to accentuate yeah, yeah, the yeah. handlebar. You need to remove the rest. I'm just no? telling you what the rules are. Please okay. help us out here. Okay, so we're going to start with coffee number one. Mm. Bring it on. All right. I am under caffeinated today. I came. I'm going to try not to spill. I need my jitters. I need my jitters. Get my jitter on. Smells like. Mm, I smell a. Uh, let me see. There's a. Uh, there's death. It's pretty hot. Yeah. And I'm supposed to just sip this now. <laughs> you want to let it, let it cool down a bit? Yeah, I'm gonna oh, let these it thermoses cool down are doing their job. Bit. Should we yeah. yeah. little sniffing, stiff, sniffing? Uh, Is that what we like do? The, okay. Yeah, like wine. Yes. You tasting? You're tasting. Hoping up taste. burning. All right. That was interesting. Sure, you're kind of tasting it like wine, you're sort of breathing in with the yeah, nose. Yeah, well, I think, I think you like probably summer. should because you taste you you taste anything in the same way. You use your nose. You use your you want it to hit the back of your tongue. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting a lot it. of like it's pretty acidic. Yeah, I'm definitely it's getting very that acidic. off the bat, which mm-hmm. could have less to do with the beans themselves than just how it was roasted and yeah, it could have prepared. Been, yeah, the roasting process really affects how uh, mm. the flavor you get from. Mm. The beans. Mm-hmm. Or could it have something to do with a cask that we've actually soaked in vinegar? It could also <laughs> have something to <laughs> do with that. They're messing with the results. Okay, do you guys want to uh, cleanse your palate and we'll move on to number two? Yes. We've got yes. some like wa- wafers here break for this you. For us. Wafers. All right, here's number two. Ooh, that smells a little milder. The audience out there that's listening, we have these oh. two women who are tasting the coffee right now, experiencing this second delightful brew or maybe also, this, this flavor for me it dissipates a bit quicker like it doesn't really I don't get the same mouth feel as I got with this guy I mean there's still a high acidity on it but I'm not picking think, up interesting flavor notes here hmm. yeah absolutely I feel like this actually tasted like something mm-hmm. this tastes more like nothing Okay. Yeah. These are technical terms. These are very <laughs> technical terms for coffee drinking. Right. This is going to go into the next book, right? Yeah, Do you guys want to cleanse and then we'll, yeah, we'll go on to number three? Our third and final brew. Last time a man asked me if I wanted to cleanse on camera, something way different happened, but I'm very excited about this. Okay. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there, Ashley. I love that you went there. I feel like you just opened doors for me on this show. Yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I, was tr- I was trying to keep it censored, but all right. No, yes. As my free. favorite band says, take it to the limit one more time. <laughs> oh, my God, the Eagles. <laughs> the Eagles. Out. This is going to be Ashley's straight from the bodega. Feeling, for those of you who also cannot see, Ashley's sort of her lip seems to be curdling. <laughs> The lip curdles, kind Isn't of like my lip the milk, curdled? <laughs> kind of like what might happen if there was milk in this coffee. I don't know, or spoiled milk. <laughs> not I enjoying just, it. I just, I first, I'm not enjoying him saying my lip curdled. The first of all, kind of, second you know, of all, co- coffee uh, milk terminology. Here. You know, I can. This feels expensive, which is probably why I don't like it because rich people don't know what they're doing a lot of time. Mm. Put it like that. Okay. All right. Well, so I will tell you who provided our options today. We have one coffee from a bodega. We have one coffee from Starbucks, and we have one coffee from Hungry Ghost, which just opened up a new branch across the street. All right. This might be the star because Starbucks has that really like overpowering burnt quality, yeah, which sometimes masquerades as being a little higher end. I'm gonna go with this as the bodega guy. So, Sarah, you're saying number two is bodega? Yeah. And okay. I'm gonna guess this is Hungry Ghost and this is Starbucks, but it could be. 
could be the other way around. Uh oh, don't do a little okay, Ponzi thing. Let me guess. Let me guess. Switcheroo. Let me guess. Hold up. Hold okay, up. so Sarah's saying number two is this the is middle one is bodega. Two is bodega. This is hungry ghost. And then you're saying three is hungry ghost. I need to revisit this. Okay, take your time, Ashley. What about you? I'm gonna say uh, Starbucks. Bodega, Hungry Ghost. Is that the same? Is it? It's the same. <laughs> My you, perspective is off. Are you still, are you staying with your first answer? Yeah, but this tasted crazy right after that. It definitely needed a palate cleanse. Mm, final answer, as Regis are we gonna say? Are we going to dial it in? Yeah. You know, might as well. I've embarrassed myself anyway. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure there's <laughs> Well. Yes. You guys will be happy to know that you were both right on the bodega coffee, just <laughs> okay. to consult and my so notes. These are the, all right. So the real challenge, that. right, is the Starbucks, which, as you were saying, you know, sometimes tries to masquerade with that heavier roast, give it that flavor, um, to maybe feel like a more expensive coffee. Well, number one is Hungry Ghost, and number three, Starbucks. I could, I could live with those results. <laughs> I mean... I mean, I guess the, the saving grace is you did identify the bodega coffee. Not to diss the bodega, which I'm guessing is the kind of coffee that most people in Brooklyn actually drink. Yeah. I would say that a few years ago, but the, the kind of more high-end coffee shop has become so prevalent that most people... It, the bodega is more a matter of convenience. That's what everybody could get on the way to the subway. And mm -hmm. now I feel like... I actually might live in the one neighborhood where you can't. All I have on the way to the subway is the Dunkin' Donuts. Mm -hmm. But I just think it's true of most places that you will find a Hungry Ghost or at least a Starbucks kind of more often than you'll find a bodega. Bodegas are dying breeds, so I don't even know that they get as much play anymore. I think it must depend on the neighborhood. My neighborhood, most people have a bodega coffee. But I live in Flatbush, where I can see most people, even if they have the money, being like, I ain't paying no $4 for a coffee. So so the $600,000 question, $600,000 question for you, Ashley, is would you pay the extra two to three bucks for the Starbucks or the bougie coffee? I would pay more for the Hungry Ghost coffee. Not for the Starbucks coffee, but I don't really get coffee at Starbucks anyway. Even when though I you go actually to... thought the Hungry Ghost was the Starbucks coffee. Yeah. Not to call you out, but... Yeah, no. But that's the kind I like. All right. What was your favorite one? I feel like maybe I didn't cleanse with the crackers well enough because my <laughs> buds were compromised by the time we got to number three. I actually, like, this was the, the gentlest on the palate. The Hungry Ghost. Yeah, I mean, this was definitely in your face. The Starbucks. Um, and so now I'm not super surprised it was Starbucks because Starbucks is really, it's really aggressive. Mm -hmm. um, I liked that the Starbucks had kind of a, you know, heavier mouthfeel, but like when it comes to tasting coffee, it's like so much about personal taste. There are some nuances that you could pick up as a layman. So the acidity the of the part, first one didn't really bother you. Well, that's definitely the first thing I noticed. Right. But then it then it was then it became gentler. Yeah, over time. I mean that's the mm. that's the thing about good coffee. It could mm. kind of hit you in the face, but mm. you shouldn't get a lingering aftertaste. Mm. Mm. And this guy was more of a lingerer. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I think when I kind of revisit the experience in my head, if mm. not on my palate, 
this left me with the best overall coffee so, so can I just give you guys a quick couple notes, and I think we've got to wrap it up, but on the different coffees, um, just sort of origin-wise, the Hungry Ghost Coffee, excuse me, is called their Hairbender Blend from Indonesia. Rich textures are balanced with the classic flavors of North Africa and Latin America. Starbucks all over the world, mostly Latin America. Bodega Coffee was from Colombia. Um, and Feeling then Africa, the so. Hungry Ghost is 100% fair trade. Starbucks, I don't know if this version was fair trade, but the Italian coffee, all their Italian coffee is all fair trade. Bodega, we got an N.A. on that. <laughs> um, Listen, I expect them to have a primer sitting in the back. I want to know everything right. there is to know about um, the origin of my bodega. And then also, so the Hungry Ghost said they serve between two to 300 cups a day. Starbucks... 348 cups of coffee yesterday at this branch. Wow. And then the bodega said they serve about 3,000 cups a day, which might be an exaggeration. Yeah, that'll <laughs> sound. That'll sound, right? It's like, like Elf when he, like, passes by the bodega and it has, it says, like, yes. number best one cup, co- co- yeah. best coffee in the world. And they're like, best coffee in the him. world. And he might just be thinking, like, God, how many times do I got to change this stupid filter and pour more coffee and pour right. more water in there? This is a pain in the ass. Um, Celebrate you, bodega. And then the price breakdown, which is important. Um, mm-hmm. Hungry Ghost, I guess, for a small, 275 325 for a, a larger cup. The Starbucks, not clear. I, I don't know all their distinctions between the size and I can never remember like what's a but maybe the venti was 265 so not so much less no, than the hungry been. ghost or eh, no, would tell me yeah, I don't know these that would have been the smallest size if okay. it was 265 right and then be. then the uh, the bodega one anyone care to venture a guess how much the bodega one was a dollar a dollar 19 a dollar it is a straight dollar a dollar. Is it 99 cents or it's a straight dollar, dollar. I think it's we got a, a straight dollar hand of a dollar change, baby. quick transaction in and out so right? this is the way I do coffee like you buy the good beans and then you brew it at home like and yeah. you don't need a fancy schmancy like just you know just get you a little bean you, like a little grinder yeah no you, the you, fresh you, you just need the regular you know eight cup brewer and you just get the good beans and then it all evens out fantastic awesome that's wonderful thank you so much ross the barista <laughs> slash Go producer mustache wax and we'll thank do you so again. much sarah for being here <laughs> of course and for you. helping us taste our coffee and figure out what we want to drink next time yeah yes i'm going with hungry ghost and that's the show that's our week join us next week for our special 100th episode Woo! Sorry, I don't know why I did that. That's a call. Have a great one. 112BK is hosted by me, Ashley C. Ford, and is written and produced by Ross Tuttle. Also produced by Fred Brown, Shireen Bargi, Ariana Rosas, Naeem Van, Tyrese Hester, Kritzi Roberts, Emily Bogosian, and Sarah Grichowski. It is edited by Clinton Filson Jr. and Kyrell Palmer. It is recorded by Eric Hagasek and Antonio M. Rosario. Our theme music was composed and produced by Brad Parker. And our executive producers are Aziz Aisham, Jonathan Leaf, and Sasha Mathias. <laughs>